0: Hello, and welcome to the Keepers of the Flame podcast. This is a show to shine a light into the darkness, to empower women, their support networks, and our communities to weather breast cancer, because together we weather the storm. But on this ocean, every wave brings you closer to home. And no matter what you think, you are never alone. Hello, and welcome back to Keepers of the Flame podcast. I'm Joyce Williams, your host, and this is episode number 25, Survivor Series with Ashley Yunt. In case you're just now joining us, the whole idea of Keepers of the Flame is that the more we unite, the brighter that light shines out in the distance. So if you or somebody that you know is battling breast cancer, they don't feel alone. They know that they don't have to travel this journey alone. And what helped me when I was first diagnosed was when I spoke to other people who had been there and done that and truly understood what I was feeling and what I was going through. Even though every cancer journey is highly individualized and unique, when I collected all of the stories together. It was like each little flicker of light united and created this glow that made it feel like I was less alone, that I was no longer on this isolated island and that I could surround myself with people that got it. And that gave me hope. So for those of you that don't have that at your fingertips, and that's the entire point of the Survivor Series is to bring some of these conversations to you so that you can hear them as well we have with us today, Ashley Yunt. Ashley and I met in the park, so you're going to hear some nice and peaceful background sounds of birds chirping, the occasional dog barking, some kids playing, all part of being at peace and grounding out in nature. And it was just a gorgeous, beautiful day. So I'd like to welcome Ashley Yunt. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us here today. We're very blessed to have you with us. Great to be here
1: today, Joyce. Thanks for having me.
0: Yes. I think that the more stories that women can hear, the more empowered we become and the less alone we feel. So, thank you for being part of that. Uh, Happy to. Tell us a little bit about yourself first, where you're from and what you do for a living. Sure. So, Grew
1: up most of my life out here near uh, Savannah uh, in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Went off to school, University of South Carolina, and um, up to Maryland to Johns Hopkins. But my profession is leadership development, executive development, talent management for Dell Technologies.
0: And you were telling me before that you ended up taking some medical leave when you were diagnosed, right? I
1: did. Through my company, we have short-term disability benefits, and I chose to do that just so that I could purely focus on getting through a barrage of treatment and sorting through all of what needed to happen in a very short time frame.
0: Right it kind of slams you to the ground. It knocks you, it knocks you down sometimes where you have to figure out, okay, what am I going to do now? What is my action plan? Absolutely. So how old were you at diagnosis? I was 50. And how did, how did you go about finding it?
1: A routine mammogram in November, two days before Thanksgiving, it was picked up, but not conclusively. I had to go through two biopsies and even really a third.
0: Okay, so you were telling me that you you had two biopsies done and they were inconclusive and you were getting ready to go and have that third biopsy done and you told them.
1: Okay, so I've had two biopsies which neither came back 100% conclusive and I was referred to a surgeon who was recommending us to go in and do a third biopsy which essentially became a lumpectomy.
0: And so when they did the lumpectomy and they removed that tissue and then they ran all the tests on it and they came back and they told you your worst nightmare. Yes. What, what were the first thoughts that ran through your head?
1: I was in complete shock, to be very honest, because I had something very similar. I had a lump that was found 14 years ago that was benign, and I thought that was the same answer I was going to be given, and even told my husband, don't come with me for the pathology reading at the doctor's office, because I truly believed it was not going to be positive for cancer.
0: So you were by yourself in that room when you got that news? I was. And how, how did you handle that?
1: I think my jaw hit the ground, and I think that I was just trying to muster enough strength not to just have a puddle
0: of tears, <laughs> to be very right. honest. Right. Because it was, it was n- you, you never want to hear those words. No, you don't. And it's almost like when you're being told that, your world starts to just crumble around you, but then part of you is also trying to be like, okay, well, don't let it crumble yet, because I have to pay attention to what they're telling me. And so that becomes um, a, a juggling act.
1: Yes, yes, I was just really trying to process what this really was going to mean and the amount of change that I was going to be looking at.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how did the emotional element hit you? The emotions that started to fear.
1: Rise? Honest, the first thing is fear. I had mm-hmm. two kids, right? Relatively young, ages um, ten and eleven at the time. So,
0: how, how did those emotions change throughout
1: the journey? We waited quite a bit of time till we had everything really um, figured out in terms of what my my journey was going to be in terms of treatment before we told them. And it was really a point of just trying to make sure that. Uh, their life could stay as normal as possible, but we were also really very transparent to say things were not going to be the same in some areas. And they've been quite resilient and have had to step up quite a bit to right. when I couldn't do some things that needed to be done. Right. So.
0: so you're talking about treatment. You had a lumpectomy, and what 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 other kinds of treatment did you have to have
1: um, done? I had 12 weekly chemotherapy treatments. Uh, And then because I am what they call triple positive, estrogen positive, progesterone positive, and HER2 new positive, I also am still getting every three weeks the Taxol treatment. I'm sorry, the um, Herceptin treatment.
0: And Herceptin, again, if you missed some of our previous episodes, Herceptin is used on individuals who have the HER2 positive element to their cancer. That's, That's where Herceptin comes into play.
1: Yes. And I also, after... Um, the first 12 weeks of chemo, I went through um, 15 treatments of radiation. Did they
0: put the bolus on you when you did that? No. Sometimes
1: they do, and sometimes they don't. No. Um, my tumor was back near the chest
0: wall. Okay. okay. So they that had explains. me in the
1: prone position for, for radiation.
0: Yeah. The order of events for you was lumpectomy, chemo, and then radiation. Correct. What were some of the, the side effects that you remember?
1: I think from the chemotherapy, it was a great amount of fatigue, hair loss.
0: For me, when I lost all my hair, that was one of the hardest things to go through because it was such an outward sign. I mean, I was afraid that people were going to look at me and think that I was in danger of dying. Worse yet, I was afraid of looking at myself in the mirror and thinking the same. Some of the other stuff I could hide, right? Yes, yes. But that just was a very outward thing that I couldn't hide. I had to come to terms with. So how did the hair loss go down for you?
1: Yeah, I truthfully, once I found out I had cancer, I really didn't want anybody to know. And then I realized when I was going to lose my hair, I'm like, well, I can't keep that to myself. Everybody's going to notice that now. And I think that, you know, really became a point where I had to really come to terms with it and face it you know, straight in the eye about what was happening. And I, I couldn't deny anymore what was really taking place. I did get a wig. I did get some scarves. I did things to, just to, you know, make me feel somewhat good. It wasn't, yes. I would never say I felt completely great mm-hmm. wearing them, but it was what needed to be done. Right. Just to
0: help remind you of who you really are on the inside. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I get that completely. I wore hats, but I always painted my fingernails and my fingernails, having them nice and pretty and pink, just Mm -hmm. kind of was that one little thing that helped me get in touch with okay, I am still me. I might have all these losses happening, but at the heart of it, who am I? Mm -hmm. I am this person on the inside. And I know that seems silly, like, you know, with this, I mean, what does fingernail polish really do, right? It actually does help. It's not about the fingernails, it's about what that reminds us of. we are on the inside. It just kind of gets us a little bit more in touch with our femininity that comes from within. Absolutely. Did you let your hair fall out on its own or did you shave it or?
1: Yes. So it started to come out after the third treatment, the third chemotherapy. And I had relatively long hair um, past the shoulder. And so I called my, my hairstylist and said, it's time. Um, and so she cut it in a short pixie cut. Mm-hmm. And it, until about the 10th week, it just kept getting thinner and thinner and thinner. And it just, mm-hmm. then it just stopped. I never lost it all. Mm-hmm. And I never shaved my head completely. I just never could bring myself to do that. Mm-hmm. So that last week of treatment, she cut it super, with the clippers, super, super short. And I kept a little bit there, but then for me, psychologically, it's, it was a signal of new beginning that was going to start. Right.
0: And for me too, like as much as I, I went and had mine shaved because I wanted to say when and how the strands would go. And I felt like I didn't have control over anything else. So I, when I did that, I cried the whole time. And then of course it's not all gone. So when it starts to come out I mean, these little tiny spiky strands, you wouldn't think that there's much (laughs) less to come out, but there was. And when it would all fall out, I remember just telling myself, kind of like you said, it's new beginning. The thought in my mind was, I'm one step closer to being done. I knew this was going to happen. So here we are. It's coming out. Now the next step is it'll eventually grow back. It was marching forward on that journey to healing. Yes. As hard as it was.
1: I will have to say, though, after two weeks, I kept my eyebrows and my eyelashes all through chemo, and I thought I was going to be spared that. They got a little thin, but mm-hmm. I kept most of them. And then, literally, two weeks after chemo ended, they all fell out.
0: Aww. So,
1: I, you know, there is a part where I'm like, oh gosh, I'm really going to lose everything in yeah. this process. And, and, and I, yes, there is some of that. That you just go okay. It's all new. It's all everything's new at this point. Mm-hmm. So in a total regeneration.
0: What about uh, side effects of radiation?
1: Mostly, I had fatigue, and it is real. I didn't think I would feel it, but I did. Towards the end of the treatment, skin getting really itchy and irritated, mm-hmm. and still going on. You know, for a good three weeks, even after the treatment. Even after. Ended.
0: That's the part people don't really realize too. Is it? It once you have your last treatment, it's gonna redden yeah. more before it starts to heal after that.
1: And there's been, I think, I don't know if it's been a result of just everything, but just some sharp pains in the breast area that come out of nowhere. And Mm -hmm. the doctors all say this is normal. It's just part
0: of the healing. Right. So
1: you might get alarmed having that feeling and feel like something else is going on, but it's just really part of the healing that's taking place.
0: Right. Follow through and talk to your provider, but don't panic. Don't freak out. Know that you, you're not alone in that. Is there anything that you wish that someone had told you ahead of time? What
1: was so helpful for me was reaching out and talking to other women who've walked this walk, and they were spot on in all their feedback um, mm-hmm. and suggestions.
0: And Even though every one of them is different, that's right. The fact that they know something that they can help pass on to help you when you put that all together, I find that yes, so helpful.
1: Yes, very yeah. much.
0: What would you say was the biggest challenge? Of this entire journey that you've been going through, because you're still you're still kind of like, you're on the tail end, right? I'm st- on the tail end, right? So, so kind of taking a step back and looking at it from a distance, what would you say is that biggest challenge?
1: I am a very active go 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 kind of person, mm-hmm. and letting myself rest when I needed to rest was very difficult. Yes, very
0: difficult. When my body would not listen to my mind. I wanted to be able to have control over my body and go and do X, Y, and Z. And my kids are in the other room, and I want to go. My body was just like, nope, you are not moving. That was that was hard for me. Yes, letting go of that.
1: Yes, and I think there is such a desire for some sense of normalcy, and yet it is not normal.
0: You are in a very unnormal right place, and being
1: okay with that,
0: right? And then recognizing too, though that, and this was a hard part for me recognizing that that moment might be hard and you might not be able to do all the things that you want but it's not going to define you either it's not going to last forever even though you might not be able to see the way out in that moment in time because it's so overwhelming it's not the end it's not going to be like that moment forever
1: correct no it's just one moment in time and just take one step forward the next day each day as it came
0: what would you say is your the biggest life lesson that you've had mm-hmm. out of all of this
1: take time for yourself to take care of yourself
0: self-care oh my gosh I didn't even know what those words were in the beginning and people would be like oh you have to have self-care and I'm like I don't know what you're telling me <laughs> what does that mean I don't get it I have things to do I have a family to care for I have mm. kids I have to take to school I have got laundry to do and and the truth is is all these and 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 there's a time and place for them too. that self-care is critical What would you say is the single most important self-care item that you did for yourself?
1: And that I'm doing now is just exercise, exercise, Mm -hmm. take that time, because it's not only for just overall prevention and health, but it's a great stress reliever. There's so many good added benefits to it. For me in the past was coming up with reasons why I couldn't get to it.
0: Mm-hmm. it's,
1: it's just vitally important.
0: Absolutely. And you start so. at whatever your entry point is to and yeah. build. And that, yeah. that was a big shift in perspective for me because I used to run prior to treatment and I don't think that everybody quite understands this, but when you go through something like this, it's not like, Oh, I've been out of running for a handful of months. Let me get back. It is, I need to learn to walk again. I mean, I, I was a, active athlete prior to even say my surgery. And then within the course of that, that one treatment, I could barely walk through the aisles of Walmart. I remember talking to my friend and she said that exercising was like her therapy. It was her way to process through and release. So she was very anxious and ready to get to that moment where she could exercise again. And I remember having to tell her to change your expectations on what exercise looks like. You can still exercise, but it's going to look very different than it did before. And that's okay. You just start wherever your entry point is. Maybe it's walking around the house. Okay. And then maybe the next day, maybe it's walking twice around the house. Like, And that's still exercise. And give yourself credit for that. And then you just slowly build yourself up and you get that strength. And that's control. Like, That's something that Mm -hmm. you can do
1: absolutely and even now there's the aches and pains in the joints but it's it hurts to walk but then it gets easier as you walk so i i guess what i'm trying to say is there's this new normal it's not the same of walking like i used to i used to do you know miles and miles and i used to train for marathons and i i i am not there and i will never probably be exactly there so i don't even have that expectation of myself right. i just except what I can do right now. Right. And it's something more than I was doing before.
0: Exactly. Every, you, you start at whatever your entry point is and you do that and you work on that and that is exercise and that is making yourself healthy, healthier. For me, it was a combination of both that element, getting that physical health back together. And then also like emotional health for me Mm -hmm. was a big deal because I mean, it was definitely a trauma.
1: Definitely, And I think there's, for me, there's, even now that I'm done through probably the two thirds of the treatment, there's still this little voice that wants to come in and plant fear inside of you. That's the part that I, the emotional part where you just have to really control your thoughts because it can go get to not a very good place very quickly if you let it. And that is try to stay positive, optimistic, and very future focused Mm -hmm. to control some of
0: that. Um, emotional.
1: I like to picture
0: uh, the movie Inside Out with all those Mm -hmm. little characters up there in my head with the (laughs) dashboard. And I keep picturing fear and he's running around and he's crazy and he's tripping over stuff and he's just like on full panic mode. And what I've come to learn is that fear isn't really trying to hurt us. Fear is trying to help us, which seems very odd because fear is so super unpleasant. What possible good could you bring me? But recognizing that you go, if you're out in the wild, okay, and there's a wild animal, like fear has kept us safe. Do you fight it? Do you run away? If a ball's coming, do you catch it? Do you get out of its way? So when fear starts to get on crazy overload with me now, I try to stop and think well what is it telling me i know my therapist she had asked me that once and i thought she lost her mind what do you mean (laughs) what is it trying to tell me that i don't like it that it's unpleasant but finally recognizing for me that it's telling me hey this is scary stuff the same fear that I don't like now was the same fear that brought me to the doctor to have the treatment done that ultimately saved my life, right? It's the same fear that saying, you need to go to your follow-up appointments. You might not like going and it might be hard, but because you know what could happen, because you've been there before, because you recognize all this stuff that fear, I guess, is in charge of, then it leads me to make better choices, Um, sometimes he can get a little hyped up and he needs to be calmed a little bit but ultimately fear is it's not always a bad thing even though it's an unpleasant thing what would you say is your biggest fear
1: I would say probably is the reoccurrence but even I've had to kind of put that in perspective because there is that chance but I'm not going to focus on that I'm gonna focus on what I know I can do that's healthy and positive and if it were to happen, I'll get through it again, just like I've gotten through this. So. Okay.
0: And I think that is one of the biggest life lessons that I've been trying to wrap my head around. And you seem to have just said it right there perfectly in one sentence was letting go of what you can't control and focusing on what you can. You can't control whether or not a recurrence is or is not going to happen. So what do you have control over now? What would you say is your biggest hope? I think my biggest
1: hope on a on a grand scale would be that there is, you know, they find an absolute cure for all cancer. Uh, It's not something I wish for anyone of any kind to go through. Um, And I think for myself, on, on a personal level, I've had to really look at, instead of cancer happening to me, cancer was for me for a very specific reason. And my hope is that I really make all the changes that i've learned that i need to make through this process whether it be self-care self-love just personal growth and development that i had put to aside and can be an even stronger better wife mother friend
0: it's like when you go and you work out like your muscles your body it aches but then after that ache you are stronger so kind of a similar thing here like we have had heartache. We know what heartache is. We know what pain is, but we are not defined by that. We will rise up stronger.
1: Absolutely. And my hope also is to be able to help other women who are walking in this journey, either now or in the future, and to be of uh, hope to them to provide whatever information, insight, encouragement to other women,
0: because we're not alone, and the more people hear that, I think, and, and and the fact that you are even here today doing this podcast with us is is huge. And doing that, and in helping women hear that, so
1: yes, immediately after I had the diagnosis, I wanted to go find someone who has been through this, and and that was hard trying to find someone I could just go talk to it took a little work to get to someone but I got to you Joyce
0: right we you reached out a side note here you you contacted me because you got connected with the Komen affiliate our local Mm -hmm. Komen affiliate tell us tell us about that
1: Yes. So I um, reached out to the common affiliate to ask if there is anyone. I was looking to really speak to someone who's been through um, breast cancer. Specifically, I was looking for triple positive as well because I was trying to understand what all that meant. Right. Uh, and they put me in touch with Joyce and Joyce was so helpful and has been actually uh, checking in with me all through the journey. So I'm happy to oh,
0: be back you. here on the other side. Now yes. You. Now you are. Now you're the one holding, holding the light for the next person. Touching quickly for anybody that missed these um, last few episodes, uh, knowing what triple positive means. So triple positive, when they get the tumor out, they run tests on it and then they determine uh, what basically what makes that cancer grow. And so the first thing that they examine is estrogen and progesterone. And if it is positive for that, then that means that those hormones feed it. And if that's, so if you're estrogen, progesterone positive, then they have a hormone blocker that they want you to take at the end. And then they run another series of tests, um, with a protein called HER2. And if you're HER2 positive, then that's when the, as we talked about before, the Herceptin comes into play. So I was estrogen, progesterone positive. So I too have that hormone blocker blocker but I was HER2-negative, so therefore I didn't have the Herceptin. So whatever your treatment plan is, is largely dependent on your cancer specifically. So I just wanted to make sure that people that were listening knew that. Well, what does triple positive boil down to? What does it mean? And, and ultimately, it, it gives the doctors an idea of the way that they need to treat your specific cancer. So what would you what would you say going back to support what would you say is the best kind of support that you were given
1: I think um for me it was my faith my friends who were praying for me people who I didn't even know leaned heavily on that was the, probably my biggest support through all of this but then I also had my my husband my my friends who came alongside and were always there, even, even in my worst days, they were there just saying, you're going to get through this.
0: And I think that's, that's something that I've talked about too before. Sometimes people that aren't going through it, that are the, our support network, they want to know, well, how can I help? What can I do? And my best advice for them is something, just anything, just be there. Let them know that you have their back, whatever that is. And however that may look,
1: Absolutely. Simple text can right. be just what you need in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that takes very little time and effort to do right. anything, but it lets them know you're thinking of them.
0: Exactly. Now, sometimes people will say things, and they're meaning to be helpful, but sometimes they say things that are really not so helpful. Like, oh, I know somebody that had cancer that lived down the street. Oh, she died from it. Thanks a lot. They're, they're coming out a place of trying to connect, And sometimes the wording or the thoughts that they choose to use are not always so helpful. What advice do you maybe have for some of those friends and support network listening on either things not to say or things that would be much preferred ways that you can show your support instead?
1: I think the one about the hair. Oh, it'll grow back. I think my, you know, if you were to really want to show signs of encouragement or words of encouragement, just say, I can imagine that must be really difficult. That lets them know that you are, you can understand maybe the level of loss that they're going through in that, in that moment versus just saying, getting, I know you're trying to be positive and helping them to see it'll grow back. But in that moment, what they need to know is that you can relate to what they're feeling. Right. Right. Of loss,
0: not necessarily trying to fix it for them That's in that right. moment, but right. sit with them in that ick.
1: absolutely, and let
0: them know that that you're there to listen, that you're there to lean on. Yeah. What other pieces of advice might you have for those friends listening of things that they can do to show their support?
1: Anything from picking. I had friends who picked up my kids from school, who brought a meal, ran an errand. It's it, when your energy is low. It's just anything to help make something a little bit easier, even if it's to take the kids for an hour so that you can just rest, rest,
0: <laughs> That's right. rest, let me sleep. My body needs it. How did your diagnosis affect your family dynamics? Because mm. it's a big change. You, you know, we talked about in the beginning how it's a new normal and that there were going to be adjustments and your kids were going to have an adjustment too. Cause yes. I mean, it's a big life altering moment. So how did it affect your family dynamic?
1: It brought us together closer, first and foremost, Um, but I think there was a level of sacrifice we all had to make. Um, It's not just mom sacrificing a lot to get through something like this, but the kids had to just pick up more on the chores, do their laundry, to... Um, not being able to do some of their favorite things that they like to, or I couldn't arrange for play dates because I couldn't have more exposure to people Mm -hmm. um, when I was going through chemotherapy.
0: And the reason why that is folks is because chemotherapy attacks all of your fast growing cells. And one that happens to get caught in the crossfire are your white blood cells and white blood cells help you fight off infections and diseases. So if your white blood cells get really low, then you're more susceptible to getting sick.
1: Yeah. I think the big one was, you know, we, um, we usually typically take our kids to Disney world at the end of the school year if they got all A's and they, we couldn't do that this year. And we just said, we'll look at doing some big celebration when I get through all the treatment next March and still, you know, celebrate a lot of goodness that has happened in this last year. Right.
0: Now you have two kids, right? You said Mm -hmm. before that they they were 10 and 11 at diagnosis. Mm -hmm. How did you tell them?
1: Yes, so we waited through finding out all of the BRCA testing as well as just to really know what my final treatment plan was and if I was going to need any more surgery uh, before telling the kids. Um, We did tell them when I had to go in for the biopsy slash lumpectomy, I had a spot, I had a lump that the doctor wanted to check out. um, And we waited till we got all the results back. And we sat down um, one evening, and my husband was the one who really said, The the cancer word, I couldn't really be the one to say that. And my message was really to also just explain caught early, you know, everything looks really good. But this year is going to be a very different year. And this is what we're going to experience and go through.
0: Right. And how we need to come together and
1: love and support each other.
0: Right. Through that. I think one of the most important things to remember here in regards to family for both kids and our spouses, is communication is gonna be. Because you can't go through something like this and put on a smile and plow your way through. And you can't pretend that there's not going to ever be any friction that arises either because it's laced with intense emotions on all angles. So I think my best advice here is communication on all fronts. What um, additional advice, if any, do you have for women? Uh, to navigate through this family.
1: I think one of the best pieces of advice came from a dear friend of mine. She said, be sure to advocate for your own health. And I didn't realize what she meant for that until I started getting recommendations on my treatment. And then I realized I've always been a researcher, but I really took time to research what they were saying and then really advocate for what I wanted versus what may be what they're saying. And, and don't be afraid to get a second or a third opinion. And when you feel good about it, then you know you're ready. You're ready for, for that journey
0: to move forward with whatever that whatever That's that right. plan looks like, you have now taken ownership of it.
1: That's right. Don't be afraid to ask questions of the doctors until you feel comfortable.
0: As you approach the tail end of treatment and you crash, cross that threshold into survivorhood, one of the things that I've heard a lot of women say is that they expect, and you might have already kind of caught in this happening a little bit now that some of the big chunk of your treatment is done and you can kind of see, you're not quite there yet, but you can see that light and you're getting closer and closer to it. So you might have a, an inkling of this, but what I've noticed is what I've heard from women is that they get through that threshold or cross that threshold and they have this expectation of themselves that I'm done. I should be this. If I'm done with my treatment, I should be nothing but happy. I should be Positive. I should put it all behind me. It's in my past and all these shoulds, should, should, should. And the reality of what I hear is that we own those smiles and we own that optimism and we own that celebration, but there's a lot more that's going on too. Do you have, have you caught a glimpse of any of that as you're getting closer to that?
1: Yes, I think so. I think I'm really trying to leave myself open for what that might be and not put too much expectation on
0: that on myself right give yourself permission to be human what however that happens to settle out for you knowing that you're human and that it is normal
1: and it is okay very much so there's such a desire i think people want you to return back to normal and They want to put that expectation on you. You're still going through a lot and you're still processing a lot. And at the same time, for me, I don't think I can go back to what was after coming through something like this.
0: You you can't. That's something that I've wrestled with myself and I have fought. (laughs) I have fought this one. I wanted my life back. But my life is moved in a new direction. And the life that I had prior to going through this, it's never coming back. And I say that not as a bad thing, just a different thing. I mean, every day we are a different person than we were before. And when you go through something like this, you're bound to change. And that doesn't have to be for the worse. It doesn't mean that the trial that you went through, that you're going to live and feeling like that forever. But it also doesn't mean that you're going to go back to that person that you were prior to, to cancer either. You are all encompassing. You are the good, the bad, the ugly combined, and you have grown and you're stronger and you wouldn't be that without that journey in between. That's well said. That is very true. Recognizing that and giving ourselves permission to own that new normal. Absolutely. You have a a young daughter. What -hmm. would you like this next generation of young girls growing up into women to walk away knowing about breast cancer?
1: I think a couple things, because my daughter did ask me. She said, Mommy, will I get this? And I said, Carolyn, not from a genetic standpoint. You will not. This is not something I am passing on to you, because I was negative for the BRCA. But I did tell her, I said, there are treatments every day. You know, there's advancements in, in medicine and treatment. And life is going to throw you curveballs, and it's how you swing. And you either swing like you mean to hit it, or... You don't swing at all. And I said, we are always swing at our hardships and you will get through this, whatever it is. I promise you.
0: You said that beautifully because I know like that as a mom, that's the thing that haunts me is I want to protect my children. And knowing that there are things in this world, be it cancer or some other adversity that happens. And your analogy with the the ball coming at you and swinging at it, that illustrates it perfectly. Because I can't control how that pitch is going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. But I can teach them how to swing. I can can teach them that resiliency. Like my little girl learned to ride her bike. She falls down. She's crying. She doesn't ever want to touch the thing again. That hurt. And it was sad and it was hard let's try again what are we going to do how can we tweak what can we learn from that experience to improve the next time we try and that's life be it cancer or not yes
1: i and i hope i have modeled for her in the in this experience of how your faith will get you through and how you can be strong and overcome come even something of this right that she, she too can find it within herself.
0: Absolutely. So. We do have that strength inside, yeah. but then knowing too, that strength doesn't mean that we don't ever fall. No. That's the important thing I want to, I want people to know. Strength doesn't mean we don't fall. It means we get back up. We yeah. keep going. We keep trying. What would you like women who may be listening that are diagnosed today or tomorrow? What would you like them to know?
1: I think, yes, you will feel that gut punch and it's raw and it hurts, but find what you need, whether it be information, whether it be support, whether it be um, resources um, to get yourself in a place to know what the journey is going to be and get you through that journey. But you will get to the other side and there is light at that other end um, and cling fast that in the midst of any challenge.
0: Absolutely. Somebody told me that it was um, when you feel like you're in a dark hole, like you're in this dark pit. She told me, she said, recognize that it's really not a pit. It's a tunnel and it's a dark tunnel and it might feel like the roof is right on top of you, but keep walking forward. You keep inching your way forward because it's not a pit and you will eventually get to the light on the other side. However that looks for you in whatever journey you have, there is hope. Absolutely.
1: Find what makes you happy in the midst of all of that and and allow yourself to feel that happiness too. Right. Because it will, it's contagious. It's contagious.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Ashley. We are very blessed to have you and you have given us some phenomenal pieces of wisdom here. I especially love that. got a swing at the ball thing. Like I'm going to, I'm going to start telling my kids that one. I love that. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here. Thank you. And thank you too, for all of y'all at home listening. I hope that in hearing from another survivor, any of you that might be walking your own journey through cancer, feel a little less alone. Our stories might not be identical, but know that there's a community out there to support you. You are not alone together we will weather this storm. I look forward to speaking with you guys again next week. Until then, remember just that, that together we weather the storm. You are never alone.